0: So, welcome to Table Talk. Table Talk is a midweek guided and moderated conversational Bible study held at the Old Reformed Church at Ballymacashan in County Down in Northern Ireland. It is informal, it's a conversation, and it literally takes place around a table. Now, in this studio recorded episode, I want to ask why is there such an interest in spiritual darkness? As I'm recording this, it's just after Halloween, when the general public seem to go overboard on superstition and darkness. Since when did celebrating evil become fashionable? So does the Bible have anything to say about superstition, about the paranormal, about ghosts, and about what they call the afterlife in general? And why are people so interested and fascinated with life after death, when they're not at all interested in learning that there is a heaven awaiting for those who are the citizens of God's kingdom, and an eternal hell for those whose rebellious hearts still are turning their back on the Saviour and God's way of salvation. I'm Bob McAvoy, and this is the Semper Reformata Podcast. So let's look firstly at society and the paranormal. In his book, The Truth Behind Ghosts, Christian author and lecturer Ron Rhodes says that the paranormal is the new normal. Writing back in 2006, he quotes startling statistics showing how interest in paranormal activity has grown in society. With around 31% of people then believing in some form of paranormal activity. I would dare to suggest that those figures have grown in the past 15 years or so. Rhodes suggests that there are several reasons for this unhealthy interest in the occult, in ghosts and in hauntings. He puts it down, for example, to paranormal TV programmes. Here in Northern Ireland in 2005, the late radio host Gerry Anderson who was based in Londonderry, had a whole series of programmes called Jerry's Ghost Hunt. He was exploring haunted houses and seeking out psychic experiences. There's been others too, programmes like Britain's Most Haunted. They excite interest and their audience was huge. And sometimes they're disarming too. Cartoons like Casper the Friendly Ghost. Films like Ghostbusters, cartoons like Scooby-Doo, paranormal television, paranormal books and films. And there have been many such entertainments. Harry Potter introduced children to the supernatural world, as they would put it, of wizards and spells and deep darkness. Films like Ghost, with its lovely music and its sentimental theme, a recently deceased husband protecting his grieving wife from a charlatan pretending to be a loving, concerned replacement for him. And then celebrity culture. The religion and the philosophies, the lifestyles of celebrities influencing people all the time. And many of them are into new age practices and meditation and supernatural experiences. And what about games? We've had Ouija boards around for many years. They're marketed to children as a game, but they're far more than that. And now we have computer games and interactive adventures that can take you right into the realms of ghosts and demons. Dungeons and Dragons was a game of its own era, introducing children and young adults to the occult. Even paranormal education. You can get courses in just about anything nowadays and superstition is no different. When Rhodes was writing his book there was a professor right here in the United Kingdom who was offering courses for ghost hunters. Personally I blame the Beatles. In the 1960s, there was a great rise in people exploring Eastern mysticism, with the Beatles and the Maharishi Yogi and Transcendental Meditation all being a huge part of that. Part of that Eastern spirituality was occult practices like meditation and levitation and reincarnation. Any connection with the occult will lead into paranormal curiosity and exploration. People who were tired of the conventional, dead, lifeless, liberal, traditional religion of the established churches and who were seeking for some spiritual satisfaction were and perhaps still are easily lulled into something called spirituality and even deeper then into the occult. And of course there's one factor that the Bible continually stresses throughout. The real underlying reason why people are searching for the light and they find themselves instead groping in the darkness. And it's found in the words of Jesus in John 3 and verse 19. And this is the condemnation. That the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. The human heart will always, in its own sinful rebellion, veer away towards what is evil. In Genesis 6 and verse 5, just prior to the narrative of the flood, we read, Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That well-known verse in Jeremiah 17 and 9 says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. So we're going to ask, is there a Christian response? Is there a redeemed minds response to these common superstitions, to the spiritual darkness that persists among our neighbours in the streets and the towns in which we live? What does the Bible say? Okay, let's look into it. Let's ask what happens after we die. That's the heart of it, isn't it? That's really what is at the bottom of the thirst for paranormal investigation. People want to know what happens after they die. They do want to know because right at the very back of their minds is this nagging reality that one day it's going to happen to them. And the Bible leaves no room whatsoever for uncertainty about this. Let's just read from Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Death, physical death only occurs once and it's quite clear what happens next. When we die we stand before God in judgment and we give an account of our lives. Every aspect of those lives falls well short of God's standards. Those standards set out clearly for us in God's law for we are born in sin and we inherit that sinful nature from our mutual father, Adam, our first father. And because God is utterly holy, our sin and condemnation under the law of God will declare our guilt on that day unless, of course, we are in Christ who perfectly satisfied God's law for us in his sinless life and by his suffering and death bore the punishment that was due to us granting us forgiveness and imputing to us his righteousness when that judgment is pronounced we will be in one of two places we will either be in heaven or we will be in hell and those will be our unalterable eternal destinations So given that, how could a spirit return to earth to linger here, to be a ghost? In Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 7, the preacher says, Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. There are no spirits of departed people hanging around here on this earth. When we die, our spirit returns to God who created it and as we have learned, comes before the judgment throne of God. Let's briefly look at some modern issues, some paranormal experimentation that we might encounter among our friends and our neighbours. Is there such a thing as a haunted house? Our two granddaughters had a busy Halloween break from school, between staying with us and staying at Port Rush and going to parties, and the highlight of their half-term break, going with the Young Farmers Club to a fright night at the Crumlin Road Jail in Belfast. Now I've never been in that old, disused jail and I haven't got to ask them yet what they experienced there, but I'm told that the prison is a scary place, especially if they let you into the old condemned man's cell and the room where they did the hangings. The late Gerry Anderson, the man I was talking about earlier, who seems to have been fascinated with the paranormal, spent a whole night there. I remember hearing him speak about it afterwards. It was a very creepy experience indeed but what does the bible say after death can a person come back and haunt the house that they lived in we have to look at job chapter 7 and verse 9 to 10 and job writes or job said rather as the cloud disappears and vanishes away so he who goes down to the grave does not come up In verse 10, he shall never return to his house, nor shall his place know him any more. Well, you can see that's a fairly definitive answer. It seems not. There are no haunted houses. I know that there are some people who believe in the supernatural world and they will argue that if a person has some unfinished business here on earth, if for example, they have had a violent death, that they might return after death to seek redress on this earth, but not according to the Bible. In Psalm 146 and verse 4, we're told that the person who has died, his spirit departs, he returns to his earth. On that day, his plans perish. When we die, all of the affairs that we have on this earth are settled and ended. For goodness sake, even the inland revenue can't pursue us. Now, there are some people who will try to contact the dead. I'm thinking here about people who are grieving after the loss of a loved one. And they can very often be tempted to attend a medium or a psychic or a seance or the so-called spiritualist church seeking answers. Now, we have to sympathize with them. The depth of grief that they have is very, very deep and very great indeed. But what will they find if they attend one of these professional psychics? Perhaps they'll enter a room and the medium will chat to them for a while and they have learned a technique known as cold reading. And they will ask leading questions and from the answers that they get they will draw certain conclusions about the person in front of them, about their late loved ones. A simple internet search brings you to Wikipedia which states before starting the actual reading, the reader will typically try to elicit cooperation from the subject, saying something such as, I often see images that are a bit unclear and which may sometimes mean more to you than to me. If you help, we can together uncover new things about you. One of the most crucial elements of a convincing cold reading, says Wikipedia, is a subject eager to make connections or reinterpret vague statements in any way that will help the reader appear to make specific predictions or intuitions. What they're saying there is that while the reader is doing most of the talking, it's actually the person who's sitting in front of them who's providing the meaning. So when the psychic thinks that he or she has enough information, he'll pretend to go into this trance thing and he would begin a recital of vague words that the subject who's listening to him will then want to interpret. I should we even attempt to connect to the dead? Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 5 and 6 And it says there for the living know that they will die but the dead know nothing and they have no more reward for the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love, their hatred and their envy have now perished. Nevermore will they have a share in anything done under the sun. Trying to contact the dead is a totally pointless exercise. Even if such a thing were possible, even if they could be contacted, they can't help you. They can't do anything for you. Everything that they had in their memory in this world is gone. But then sometimes in deep grief, people just want to know that their late loved one is safe or that they're happy. Leviticus 19 and 31 says, Give no regard to mediums and familiar spirits. Do not seek after them or be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. For a Christian believer to resort to the services of a medium or a spiritualist is a shocking betrayal of their salvation. Isaiah reminds us that we should seek the Lord and no one else. We simply trust him. We trust his word. Isaiah 8 and verse 19 And when they say to you, seek those who are mediums and wizards, who whisper and mutter, Should not a people seek their God? Should they seek the dead on behalf of the living? But there's another issue with seances and mediums and even so-called hauntings and so on. Although I have more or less called them deceivers, there is a serious issue that we must not overlook. People will complain about some of the remarks I've made here in this podcast. They will speak of personal experiences. They will talk of being in houses and rooms where there has undoubtedly been some strange phenomena. And they may even say that they have been in psychic readings where the medium has said things that they could not have learned from conversation. And they will say, isn't that proof that there are ghosts and that there are supernatural events taking place? Now to that, what we have to say is that such events are the work of demonic activity. There are such things as demons. And there can be demons present at these events. In locations, at seances, and more than likely during Ouija games, these demons are spiritual beings. They are fallen angels. Revelation 12 and verse 7 down to verse 9 reads like this. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon." And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him, and they are on this earth and they are warring against Christ and against believers and their object is to deceive. They may well even be capable of imitating your dead loved ones. After all, Paul tells us in Second Corinthians 11 and verse 14 that Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, It is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. His ministers there referring to Satan's servants. Surely this is another good reason why Christians should avoid being associated with anything connected with the paranormal. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10 and 21 that you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons, that you cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. One more question remains. What about fear? You see, we have a natural fear of the unknown. It's why as children we're afraid in the dark. It's why tourism firms can profit from those fright nights at the Crumlin Road Jail. It's why we feel a tingle down our spine when we're alone in a strange place or the wind blows through the branches of a tree or a fox screeches away out in the distant darkness of the night. When I was a young teenager, I had a friend called David. And he went to the same church as me, and he owned a big German Shepherd dog. Now, David had to walk the dog every evening, and frequently after church or youth fellowship, he would walk part of the way home with me. We were both interested in art, to both musicians at that time, and I'd managed to get myself an old eight millimeter Cine camera. And we decided to make a movie. And we decided, being teenagers, we'd make a scary movie. And we decided that we would explore Bangor Abbey Graveyard in the dark as a possible scene for this scary movie. So we walked around the old graves in the darkness. David and the dog ahead of me. But one of the old graves had shrunk. And before my eyes, my friend and the dog were swallowed up into the earth. Not too far, mind you. But you have never seen two boys and a dog go up a road as fast. We were scared. But should Christians be afraid of the dark? Or afraid of the unknown? Or even afraid of ghosts? Or the paranormal? Well, here's what our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, said. In Luke chapter 10, and verse 19. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. James gives us a remedy for fear, a remedy for dealing with spiritual opposition from demons. In James chapter 4, in verse 7 and 8 he says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, And he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So we have looked a little bit the paranormal. And hopefully we will have got a clear biblical view of the correct attitude to those matters. We don't want to be fascinated by this stuff. We don't want to glamorise it. But we're not to be involved with necromancers or mediums or spiritualists. We're not to expect to see departed spirits. We're to be aware of the existence of demons, what the Bible calls familiar spirits, who deceive us and we're never to be afraid. Let's close then by reminding ourselves of what Paul wrote for our comfort in the book of Romans, chapter 8, and verse 38 and verse 39. He said there, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our lord thank you for listening join with me for our next table talk watch out for it on your podcast app we're going to be exploring what the bible says about angels and we're going to be asking the loaded question when a good person dies do they become an angel god willing i'll talk to you soon